I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. Dr. Seuss. Hello, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome to yet another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kintad Svensgaard, and along with me, as usual, please say hello to our good friend, Mr. AJ Mass. Why, hello. I am happy to be here on a very special day. It is Netflix Be Gone Day. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Programming note for those who aren't aware, but if you're listening, I hope you are aware, Criminal Minds is no longer on the old Netflix. You have to have a Paramount Plus subscription, which uh, I already had, so I was lucky for that, AJ. Lucky Me for that. Me too. And, you know, Netflix only had seasons 1 through 12 anyway. Paramount Plus had all 15 seasons, or should I say 14 seasons and the tack on 15th season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, 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 and whatever future seasons, if they do ever do this reboot, they keep threatening uh, Paramount Plus. But, you, you know, you get all your Star Trek stuff. If you're a Star Trek fan, uh, why not get the Paramount Plus? Uh, Strange New Worlds, I'm loving it. And I'm not just saying that because my cousin is the showrunner. So. <laughs> Uh, that's nice. Uh, I'm going to have to check that one out. I haven't started that yet. Also, uh, not that I want to be an ad for Paramount Plus, but, you know, your reality TV fans get all of your Survivor and Amazing Race there uh, as well. Drag Race. It's all there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anywho, what are we talking about this week? This week, we are talking about Season 3, Episode 16 of Criminal Minds. Uh, it is entitled Elephant's Memory. This uh, particular episode was written by Andrew Wilder and directed by Bobby Roth, who I think that's a newcomer in terms of the names of directors we've gone through. I don't remember it from before. Uh, Bobby Roth, ladies and gentlemen. The this, Bobby Roth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the Bobby Roth. The, the, this episode. Not to, uh, <laughs> yeah, not to confuse with the Afro painter Bob Roth. <laughs> oh, God. If you have a list. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Sometimes it's a reach, but it still makes me laugh, AJ. Uh, <laughs> fun clouds. Let's get to the show. <laughs> this show originally aired, by the way, on April 16th, 2008. If you remember where you were that day, congratulations. I sure don't. But where the criminal minds are, well, they start off this week in West Bune, Texas. And we're following a pickup truck driving through a small town. And Johnny Cash is playing on the soundtrack. And the pickup truck arrives at a, a home. Driver gets out. He seems a bit tipsy, which is evidenced by the fact that he threatens a creaky tree with violence if it wakes him up. <laughs> violence and chainsaws if it wakes him up. He does uh, light a cigarette. And then he starts to go inside of his house. And after just a second, AJ, the house blows up. Huge explosion. Doesn't look like it's good for this guy. I smoked a butt in Texas just to watch my house explode. <laughs> Everybody. So uh, we cut to a little bit later and there are a couple of deputies arriving at this crime scene. Uh, 
they look around. The place is still burning. One deputy is filming the scene on his uh, phone. The other deputy is uh, talking into the radio. I call him the older deputy, and he uh, is uh, looking around. He says they're at the Norris place, and he recognizes the burnt corpse of one Rod Norris, which had actually been blown all the way from the house up into said creaky tree. I thought, <laughs> a bit of revenge for the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Justice for Oak. <laughs> uh, so the deputy, older deputy, radios for uh, every kind of backup that he can and the ambulance, fire truck, every, everybody just get down here. Basically. Oh, hell, just said everybody. <laughs> <laughs> In a terrific surprise, all of a sudden, automatic gunfire rings out, and it was a shocking moment. The, the, both deputies are gunned down, and then we get a brief glimpse, no face, of course, of a gunman a- approaching the scene with his automatic rifle, and he walks over to the older deputy and shoots him in the head just to make sure. I assume. Yes. And then, and then, and then, you know, the, the rainbow, the rainbow comes out. The more, you know, it's like Supreme court working for <laughs> Texans since 2022. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Cause it's true. <laughs> we, uh, next cut to Dr. Spencer Reed. And he is apparently at a support group, AJ, a, a support group that is specifically meant for people in law enforcement, uh, because we see a little sign that indicates that. And uh, he's introducing himself. Hi, my name is Spencer. Hello, Spencer. That whole thing. He says it's his first meeting and um, he admits to his past drug use. I liked that because it's the first actual saying out loud, the validation that he did have a problem, even though we knew it before, but this is. Yeah. And, and the timing works out really good because had the episodes, n- no writer strike and all, you know, that stuff aired in their appropriate time. Uh, he said, you know, he's been 10 months clean. This is about a year since Vanderbeek's episode. So he was two months of, of using and then he stopped and it's been 10 months. Clean. So it, it all, the timing works out. Exactly. And since the events of our last episode, uh, where he witnessed the suspect, who was also a kid, basically, get uh, shot and killed, this has sort of got him craving, once again, his sweet, sweet pills, so to speak. (laughs) It's stuck in his mind, and as he's telling his story to the group, his phone starts to, to ring and buzz and eventually he has to excuse himself to leave to take the call because the BAU uh, operates when the BAU operates. <laughs> there ain't no getting out of it. Gotta go. Gotta go, gotta go. And, you know, he's, he's in the Beltway Clean Cops meeting, so of course they understand. Yeah, Duty calls. They, they understand. As he does step outside to take the call, a man approaches him, uh, says something to him, about getting back to profiling. So, aha, he knows exactly who Spencer is. And uh, he says to Reed, you know who I am. And Reed does and calls him sir. He's a little bit surprised someone of his stature would be at a meeting like this. And the guy says, look here, I'm not sir. I'm just John. And also, 
by the way, you shouldn't be telling anybody out at the office about this. You know, don't go spilling the tea, uh, <laughs> Reed. So after a minute or two, he, he winds up talking to Reed and giving Reed his one-year sobriety medallion, which took him six years to earn. And uh, he says he's never gone anywhere without it for the last 13 years, because if he does, he feels like he would lose everything again, his job, his gun, his livelihood, everything. Reed says, well, I only have 10 months and John knows this and no, Reed can't keep it. He should give it back to John in about two months when he's made his one year. And Reed does just doesn't understand what's going on. And John says, you will. And I almost expected him to vanish into thin air at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny you should say that, Kintah, because... This is Michael Ironside, one of my one of my favorite that guys, uh, who mm-hmm. I know from way back in the day from from the original miniseries V, where he played mm-hmm. uh, Ham Tyler. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michael Ironside does vanish into thin air. We will never see him on Criminal Minds again. Really, <laughs> really, oh, one man. and done. <laughs> Doesn't it? Sound, it feels like oh, we're setting up a mentor or something. Yeah. No, uh, that's <laughs> you, it. He has uh, vanished into thin air. I wasn't going to say anything, but you said it. <laughs> well, I mean, the reason I was saying that is because it seemed like he was sort of like a mystical Yoda type of, yes! you know, kind of like, oh, yes. you need this lesson, my young friend. Wow, and, and, never and again. Sure, and it was Michael Ironside. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. When it's when it's an actor like who's like known. Uh, maybe maybe it's not to everybody watching today, but like this is one of those guys who's like, oh, Michael Ironside, cool. Like, nope, nope, poof, John disappears into the ether, never to be seen again. Oh man, wasn't he also in RoboCop? Or uh, it's quite possible. He, 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 I don't. It, yeah, he's definitely he's in a lot type. of stuff. He's that type of actor, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, uh, lock and load. <laughs> Well, let me see if I can continue now that you've rocked my world, AJ. <laughs> so, yeah, we next cut to the BAU office and Reed has arrived there late. And after getting his usual sophomoric, well, I hope she was good commentary from Rossi and I hope it was a she from Morgan. <laughs> like, oh, come oh, on, guys. Oh, oh really? Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> really? Morgan. Bad luck. Bad luck. Although, although I don't. <laughs> I don't think he was saying, I hope it was a she, as opposed to uh, a homophobic way of saying it. I think he's hoping that Reed's getting some, and he knows Reed right. is heterosexual. I'm going to say that that's what he meant by that. I hope it was a she. Like, not like, <laughs> yeah. not like I hope you weren't like out reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reed gives some sort of flimsy excuse about how he's at the movies, and <laughs> when Rossi asks him about it, he starts... And Rossi's just joking, by the way, like, oh, yeah, what was it about? <laughs> Reed starts to say, oh, well, I left early and I get and before he realizes that Rossi was basically screwing with him. I don't even think Rossi was screwing. I think Rossi was just genuinely pissed. Like, you're late. What? The, what's the deal? I, I felt he was pissed. Like, oh, why don't you tell us what the movie was about, Reed? And he's like, well, <laughs> okay. I got to talk like, dude, dude, shut up. You're late. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I just thought Rossi was uh, uncharacteristically short on patience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next, Hotch gets the group under control and he tells them about what just happened in Texas. They've got two dead cops, 
plus the dead owner of the house, who was indeed Rod Norris. And also they found the the uh, the body of uh, his 16 year old daughter who was in the house. Uh, she was also killed. But by the wounds, she must have been like right on the explosion. Yeah. Although in, fa- in fairness, they 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 found that second body. They they have an idea yet, but the assumption is since she lives there, I mean, right? Why wouldn't it be her? Yeah. Right. Uh, they talk about how this was clearly a bombing to set up the cops, so in order to ambush them, which Reed points out as a common terrorist tactic, and it does so happen that there was a terror that. Uh, Homeland Security had just put out for the border states. Um, but Morgan starts to question if there would really be terrorist terrorist activity in West Bune, Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, Morgan thinks perhaps it was a militia and Prentice suggests, you know, maybe being near the border, it could be that there were uh, drug traffickers sending some kind of message. And basically, whoever it is, they've got to stop them or else no one in the town is safe. Um, and Hotch warns them that the locals are probably going to be super sensitive, i.e. Uh, assholes, <laughs> <laughs> and out for revenge, basically. Uh, guys, and, we're, go- we're going to Texas. Yeah. Texas. <laughs> and, and Rossi says, well, can you blame him? And we go to credits. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. It's Criminal Minds. Now I'm Elman Plus. <laughs> so now we come back to the crime scene and we get Reed voicing over our opening quote. A sad soul can kill you quicker, far quicker than a germ. John Steinbeck. Uh, what a quote, especially in 2022. <laughs> to, to that quote. Yeah, yeah, far quicker than a germ, <laughs> which can kill you quite quickly, <laughs> exactly. depending on the potency of said germ. And so JJ is uh, there introducing our team to one Sheriff Hallam who was also definitely a that guy character actor who I've seen plenty of times, even though I have no idea uh, what his name is, but well, uh, he's definitely wait, somebody you've seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, they talk a bit about Rod Norris, and he was the manager of a chemical plant, which I thought, oh, chemical plant, explosions. Let me mark that down. I need that information. and (laughs) basically his wife left him about 10 years ago and she left behind their daughter jordan who was a nice girl but she was a bit slow Um, she was in special ed but not mentally challenged basically once she lost her mother it really affected her that was basically her story the sheriff agrees with jj that they should have a briefing back with everybody at the station However, he himself is going to stay right there at the crime scene. And I'm okay with that. I mean, generally speaking, I'd be like, oh, dude, let the be He's got two dead officers on the scene. I, I get it. If this is personal. Sure. He can stick around. He's not fighting. Yeah. And uh, they don't they don't fight him on that. They, you know, JJ's like, Come, of course. Nope, of course. <laughs> you lost two men. We get it. <laughs> yeah. So we... Uh, Cut to inside the house or the framework of the house or what's left of the house. The charred burning remains of what <laughs> used to be that tree's protect 
Did who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rossi, Reed, and Prentice are in there looking over the area. They're able to determine that the explosives were set up right by the door. And what could be the trigger? Well, it could be the cigarettes that Rod Norris smoked. Because basically the house was filled with gas and they had it set up so that when you walk in, if you had something on fire, a.k.a. like a cigarette, it would cause a big explosion. Which would beg the question, Kintad, how would the unsub know that Rod was going to light up a cigarette and then enter the home? How is it possible he might know this? Especially when you're an international terrorist. <laughs> that might be something you wouldn't think would be high on the uh, <laughs> high on the uh, knowledge database for the uh, international terrorist scene. Um, but yes, AJ, that's exactly what I think. Look, you know what? The bomber knew that Mr. Norris would be coming in that way, and he knew that he would be smoking. That is what they determined. It's almost as if... They're going to blame this on the locals again. (laughs) (laughs) Blame it on the locals. Yeah, yeah. So outside, we see Morgan and Hotch, and they're figuring out what happened, you know, based on all the gun gun firing patterns and all that stuff. And uh, they figured out that when Deputy Letts, who was the younger deputy, was first shot, he was actually still alive. But Deputy Lou Savage, who was the older deputy. Hi, I'm Lou Savage. (laughs) Lou, Macho Man Savage. He was dead pretty much immediately. And not only that, but the gunman walked right past Deputy Letts, who was alive, to shoot Deputy Savage in the head, who was already dead. This really indicates personal rage. This indicates what we call overkill. This indicates that this crime was not some international terrorist, AJ, but rather... Oh, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Savage madness. Purple in your face. (laughs) But rather, someone who knew these targets on a personal level, Rod Norris and Lou Savage were specified targets and the sheriff admits well he didn't even think about any any correlation between the two because he was thinking that this was terrorism but guess what it turns out that Lou Savage has a son named Owen and Owen was dating Rod Norris's daughter Jordan oh at least he admitted like uh, that he you know he didn't go no I couldn't possibly be anyone local no, this is a, a, a god fear it. Nah, it's probably Owen. <laughs> yeah. So we s- switch over right away to Deputy Savage's house. Ooh, yeah. Uh, apparently Owen wasn't there. When they start talking about Savage, the sheriff says he knew him his whole life. His wife, Savage's wife, Hope, died because of a drunk driver back in 02. And during that time, uh, actually, Lou Savage was in Afghanistan. He was eventually discharged so he could come home and take care of Owen. Reed kind of figures out that based on how his house was set up, he didn't really care for his son and his wife. No pictures of them anywhere in the house. And Reed, by the way, is laying it on kind of thick with a little bit of blame it on you in his voice. 
or in this case, blame it on Lou. <laughs> uh, <laughs> blame it on Lou Savage. <laughs> and it kind of comes off the wrong way with the sheriff. So Hotch has to smooth it over. And while he does that, Reed goes to search Owen's room. Hotch is like, look, we need to, sorry, but you know, we just need to cut to the chase in, or, in the interest of getting this thing resolved as quickly as possible. So the, the sheriff admits that Hope Savage was actually the drunk driver, but he didn't write the case up that way. They also have a gun cabinet that uh, they're trying to open up. So Hotch gives them a few ideas for the password, birthdays and whatnot. That doesn't work. And then Hotch big brains the combination. He says it's 11, 10, 75. And Morgan's like, well, what happened uh November 10th, 1975. And Hotch is like, no, it's 1775. It's the Marines' birthday. And of course, that's what the combination is, which does impress the sheriff. He's like, oh, I guess maybe there's something to this profiling thing. I uh, mean, all it takes is one hit. <laughs> one hit in the cold reading, and then suddenly you buy in. <laughs> Join Hotch on tour as he and Teal Swan <laughs> go on. John Edward yeah. and communicate with the dead. <laughs> um, the bad news when they open the gun case is Lou had a whole collection of uh, weapons. They're all missing. And Lou did teach Owen how to shoot all of those weapons. So that's bad news. Yeah. I mean, you never want to hear first. You never want to hear the chef go, oh, this is bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the second bad, when he further explains the bad, well, you see, Lou was our official uh, arms collector. <laughs> <laughs> right. We gave him all the heavy stuff that we didn't want anyone else to get their hands on. <laughs> oh, it was no. the tactical genius. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. If there was a weapon, you didn't want to fall into the room. <laughs> <laughs> Lou was the one to give it Lou to. Had, Lou had it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we then switch over to Owen's room and Morgan is arriving there he asks reed if he uh found anything on the computer but reed has it because it's password encrypted and then morgan starts to tell reed he needs to watch his attitude around the locals but reed just seems to brush it off so they search around the room they note the johnny cash poster the uh, the picture of james dean james dean's crashed porsche he's got black clothes in his closet and uh so the profile is there this kid is a misunderstood loner and Morgan is is thankful, you know, wishes every unsub would just put their profile up on the wall like this kid. And I'm kind of thinking, don't they, though? <laughs> and, well, and, and many, we, many yeah. episodes we have watched. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times we go in there and you see the uh, the It's Always Sunny string charts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely, uh, it's usually on the walls. It's usually right there. Uh, quite literally, sometimes they carve things into the walls. <laughs> or it's that secret chamber through the beaded, <laughs> the beaded, uh, you know, you go in, oh, look, what's behind these beads? Oh, look, it's a shrine to Baal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that means something. Uh, then Reed and, and Morgan have uh, a little tete-a-tete about if the fact that things are up on the wall, that if that really means anything. After all, most kids, even Morgan, you know, had various posters and trophies that meant something to them put up in their room. And Morgan is like, yeah, but, you know, 
he starts to brag about his Playboy. I, I, Morgan just is Morgan. Well, yeah, it, it, <laughs> like it, the it, stuff that he had on the wall is what he yeah, starts to brag about. It, it, Not just it looks, posters. Almost as if they were arguing each other's point of view for a second there. Because <laughs> yeah. Reed, Reed is like saying, well, I mean, you know, if I were to profile you, you probably would have had, you know, I, I don't think you would have had posters of, of, of Michael Jordan on your wall. I'm like, yeah, well, the pain too, because I was an athlete. Absolutely. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, so... I'm, I just argued the wrong thing. And then Morgan's like, but I was really a player, which means <laughs> yes. Reed's right, that you couldn't judge. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's just, come on. I need so, I need someone to just start yelling and distracting them from this conversation so that we can move on. Please, please. <laughs> and guess what, AJ? What? <laughs> That's exactly what happens. No. They hear a noise. They hear a noise from outside. They rush to go there. We cut to outside. And there's a woman out there and she's forcing her way onto the scene and she's going to talk to the sheriff. And it turns out that she's Deputy Lett's wife and she's mad and she wants to know if it's true that they're looking for Owen. If this boy did this. She wants the sheriff to find that little son of a bitch and do what's right. And I didn't get the feeling she meant do what's right meant arrest him peacefully and try to get him the help that he needs. <laughs> I get the feeling. Do what's right. Uh, eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Hotch tells Morgan, look, stay here and work the kid's room, work the scene. Him and Reed are going to go to the high school to talk to Owen's teachers and friends. And the sheriff tells Hotch, guess what? Uh, we figure Owen is heading out of town because they found his car by the interstate right next to another victim. Dump, dump, dump. Exactly. So we come back from a break and they're at a, this new crime scene. AJ, just note that this was at like a liquor store. That's what we see. I, I just save that for later. Maybe you were going to tell me to save it for later. Because I, I have a question about it, but it's almost to the, the end of the show when the question comes up. But anyway, they're outside this store and Rossi and Prentice are there. And they're noting that Owen's truck is out there, but it's been completely cleaned, rubbed down, whatever. There's no trace of anything, no weight, no evidence on it at all that would lead to find where he is. They figure that this kid is really smart and everything that he does is well planned out. They also have a new victim. His name is Kyle Borden. He's 19 and Kyle's car and El Camino is missing. Kyle has a single gunshot wound to the face. So they figure that what happened was Owen stopped there, got his supplies at the store. Then he took Kyle out back, killed him and stole his car. And there's no evidence that shows that Kyle resisted. So really, Owen didn't have to kill him. And certainly not, as Emily protests, certainly not shoot him in the face. Well, you know, what I've heard is that shooting someone in the face can kill faster than a germ. (laughs) (laughs) So the sheriff says, you know, Kyle was a couple of years ahead of Owen in school. So he figures that he he probably knew him. And then uh, he starts to get a call. So he steps away for a moment. And Prentice says, Owen didn't just know him. Owen hated him based on the, the violent shot to the face. And Rossi says, yeah, the question is why? So then they go inside the little store and they're able to figure out that he 
took frozen food, cold cuts, but he didn't take water. The, the kind of stuff he took basically was stuff that you wouldn't take on a road trip. It's stuff you would take if you were going to hole up somewhere. Right. And so so it's not just a liquor store. It's kind of like a packy. So like this little a, mini a, mart. This there's a mini mart. But yeah. it's, it's there to sell the liquor. But that's like in the front and then to the side is like the grocery. Yeah, exactly. So they tell the chef, you know, whatever roadblocks he's setting up isn't going to work because they think Owen is still in town and that he never left. And the sheriff corrects them and says, they've never left. They're still here. Because apparently the other the remains that they found were not Jordan. Now, this is what was actually what they found. Three hams and a dozen ribeyes that were stuffed into Jordan Norris's jeans. And so the sheriff says, yeah, the only question we have now, is she a hostage or is she an accomplice? Yeah. Three so. hams. <laughs> Three hams. It doesn't rip up. I mean, you know, hey, the ribs will be found. Uh, but it well, must have smelled so good. <laughs> I mean, kudos to the planning of it, it, at least being meat. Yeah. So a boat blows up, they're going to be meat. I, I get it. It, it. You know, it's charred, so you're not going to taste it or anything. Hmm, <laughs> taste of human, sir. Um, must have been kind of a surprise for the for the medical examiner. Yeah. Oh, well, certainly. I, I, I was there going like, "Oh, it's a dog," or you know, it was it was like I didn't realize it was like meat stuffed in jeans. <laughs> Stopped at the deli and just worst scarecrow could. ever. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, we cut to an isolated looking farmhouse, ranch house type of thing. And uh, Owen is outside of it. He's covering Kyle's car up with a tarp and he has a knife out and he's looking at it. So you're going, okay, Owen, what's on your mind? Sinister buddy. And uh, (laughs) sinister buddy. And uh, (laughs) we cut to inside the house and there's our girl, Jordan. She's waking up from a nap. She kind of reminded me of Jordan from Big Brother. Okay. All right. That was that was a, her name was Jordan and I made that connection in my mind. Don't ask. I just I did. Uh, look, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> and she's single and ready to mingle, so it works yeah. out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she calls for uh, Owen and looks around for him. We think maybe he's about to harm her for a quick second, the way they do a little jump scare here. But actually, he's got a a bouquet of flowers for her. And he lets her know he's made her some breakfast and they sit down and they're planning on running away together. And she's worried about her father and he promises her that he won't let her father get to her, that he's going to protect her. We next are at the high school and Reed and Hotch are talking to Owen's guidance counselor. Boy, did I hate this guy, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> really? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> uh He says uh, Jordan and Owen started dating last year uh, because Owen was actually moved over to special ed and that's when he met her. And they point out that it's kind of late for him to be moved over to special ed since it was his junior year. And the guidance counselor says, well, he was moved for academic reasons and he had a bad attitude and a lack of effort. And Reed, who's going over his file, points out actually he was a rather gifted student. Apparently he had difficulty reading and 
an F in geometry indicates a severe problem with spatial relations. This guy was probably brilliant, but severely learning disabled student. And the counselor tries to say, well, the testing didn't indicate that. And Reed points out, and again, Reed is very intense this whole time with this guy. He's a little over the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting a little pissed off. Um, And he says that, you know, the kind of spatial relations handicap that this guy had would even make filling in an answer bubble on a test really difficult. It's it's hard as hitting a baseball. And... The counselor mentions, well, sports, now that you bring that up, was also a sore spot with this kid's father. He tried wrestling in his friend, uh, freshman year, but that didn't work out, dot, dot, dot. I mean, the guy could have said dot, 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 the way he said that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that, that, did, that didn't go exactly as, as planned. He <laughs> tries anyway. Uh, you know, he seems to know an awful lot about Owen, though, I will say. And part of me is thinking, okay, this is West Bude. It's probably a very small school, very small town, which is why this counselor knows Owen and Jordan and knows exactly how long they've been dating. He's probably been following their blog, has <laughs> dedicated <laughs> right. Insta, Insta site, uh, fan pics and all that. I, it just just put a, put a pin in that, like how aware he is of this very small school. <laughs> Yes, indeed. And uh, we then cut to Morgan. He's back at uh, Owen's house and is sitting at his computer trying to figure out Owen's password. And there's a big ass picture of uh, Owen's mom on the on the screen. And she has a necklace on that says the word hope. It is literally staring Morgan in the face. Literally. <laughs> so after putting in a few guesses like Johnny Cash and and other guesses. It, it just cracked me. It cracked me up that Morgan is looking around the room going, hmm, maybe yes. maybe there's something in the room. Oh, Johnny Cash. Oh, James Dean. Uh, like, oh, oh, there's a spider web up there. Spider web. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I would look at the word hope. Four letters, and, and and they were all lowercase too, which was another thing that kind of irritated That's me. Fair, okay. Which was the password, and I would go, "Oh, nobody! This kid is smart. He's not going to have that be his password." I might have outsmarted myself sitting all there, right. but I yes. agree with you. Listen, Medivas. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Don't bring that. Sometimes up. <laughs> the password is the CD that you have to search through all the CDs figure out the time sometimes it's just the words tearing you right in the face so yes the password is hope morgan is in the computer (laughs) back at the school reed is arguing with hotch that look owen was the smartest kid in class he just couldn't prove it and then he kept failing and they kept telling him it was his fault all of this makes sense to reed and hotch says no it doesn't because it it doesn't add up to this level of violence he says you know not without severe emotional abuse that it just won't happen. And you know that. And that's the moment when Morgan calls Hotch to let him know that he found a video. Although he says an MPEG, we don't say that anymore, <laughs> but he found uh, an MPEG on Owen's computer yes. that he needs to see. Hey, anyone know how to use QuickTime? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes. We then cut to. Thank God it wasn't a Windows movie file. Uh, we then cut to. It's an MP2, I think. I don't know. Uh, Garcia, <laughs> what's this file I'm looking at? What the hell? How do we do this yet? <laughs> we cut to JJ and Prentice, and they're talking to Jordan Norris's best friend, Eileen. Eileen says Jordan was gentle. She could never hurt anyone. Uh, she does admit that her father was abusive. She He thought she was dumb. Uh, she says she wasn't dumb. She just took a while to come up with answers. And her father would hit her, and Jordan would act like she deserved it. And that was going on until Owen came along. And they fell in love. Her father got mad, took her phone away. And so Owen got her a PDA, another PDA in <laughs> Criminal Minds, uh, dated. Yes, this, world. this PDA being uh, not the public display of affection, although they do that too, apparently, <laughs> which is how everyone knew they were dating. <laughs> yes. Uh, but she, she got the personal device. Now I can't even remember personal device assistant. Personal no, personal desk assistant. Data, data assistant. assistant. Sure. <laughs> it, it, I forget uh, what the D is. Blackberry. You got a Blackberry. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, this this was this, got, this was like this was like what you get like you don't you don't get grandma a, a phone you get them a jitterbug so only three numbers can call <laughs> and they can't call out except for these three numbers because you're worried that the dementia is going to set in and I'm not <laughs> laughing at dementia yeah. I'm just laughing at the particular nature of these devices for the old people with the giant letters and the giant fonts. <laughs> And only three keys. Just hit one for me, one one for for uh, doctor, and nine one one. That's it. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. So uh, Owen had set this up for Jordan, so it wouldn't ring unless she was getting a message from Owen or from Eileen. And she says he took care of Jordan. He always stuck up for her, and people picked on her a lot. And they asked why, and and she tells them that when she was a freshman, there was a senior that took advantage of her. And then told everyone about it. And that's how they actually became friends because she really thought that this girl needed someone to help help her and look out for her. She guess, you know, she wasn't really successful in that. But then they, you know, encourage her and Prentice tells Eileen, you know, she was a very good friend to her. And then um, before they leave, they have one last thing, yes. uh, like Columbo. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> one, one, one last question, man, before you go. <laughs> You're really the killer, aren't you? Oh, crap. <laughs> no. Where, 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 where were you? <laughs> uh, you know how many people are going to get that and how many people aren't, AJ? It's it's sad. Uh, uh, look, look, uh, I'm just waiting until we find some sort of cockatoo in an episode and I can pull out my Beretta references. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your eye on the sparrow. So uh, Prentice asks about Kyle Borden, who was the last victim, if you recall. Yes, I do. And <laughs> it's a good thing she thought to ask that because it turns out that he was the senior that took advantage of Jordan when she was a freshman. Ah. And JJ and Prentice look at each other exactly like that. Ah. Pieces are falling Motive. into place. <laughs> yes. So next we cut to the... Previously mentioned MPEG, and uh, it's Owen in a video. He's in a, a locker room shower. He's got a, a towel wrapped around him. 
And apparently some members of the wrestling team, uh, no nice way to say this, basically they were going to force him to masturbate as a, a hazing ritual to become part of the team, basically. And he clearly didn't know that this thing was being videotaped. So they talk him into trying it. So he's going to do that. We then pull out of that video and, and Hotch and Reed are there and they're showing this to the counselor. They're asking about him, asking him if he knew about this. And the counselor admits that it was put on the school's social network networking site, but um, they took it down immediately. And, you know, Reed reminds him, yeah, once something's on the internet, it stays there forever, basically, you know, like, great that you pulled it down, but... Well, first of all, how easy is it? What? How easy to get a hack the school site or something? Like, or was it post on their Facebook page? Like, like, it just seems it's a little weird <laughs> that yeah. they just let anybody post without approval post kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's... On a school site, oh, a school yeah, site. especially. Yeah, okay, and maybe they're they're expert hackers, but not in West Bune. I don't know. But <laughs> but yeah, just like like oh yeah, uh, I oh yeah, I remember that video. I, I saw it. Yeah, we all knew about it. And uh, I mean, what's the big deal? <laughs> Jesus, this counselor sucks, AJ. <laughs> he really does. He tells them that. So eventually, Owen quit the wrestling team, and and that's when his father found out about this video. And the father blamed Owen for the whole thing. And also, AJ, the boys who did this to him weren't punished, even though Owen identified them all. And they had their voice on video. That was not enough. They they had their voices on the video. I don't understand how that was not yeah, enough. You know, you know these parents, they would have gotten lawyers and would have sued. And, uh, you know, there would have been a whole big rigmarole. And it was just, it's just better that Owen just be shamed into becoming a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, uh, you know, boys have a way of sorting these things out. And Reed is disgusted. And he's like, yeah, right now, Owen is out there sorting it out with an assault rifle. I was like, yeah, there you go. There you go. Again, Reed. Reed's not wrong. But Reed. But a Reed. little. Yeah. Reed, we still need this guy's help. And one thing, if, if they don't need his help anymore, they still need his help. Wait till, wait till you're flying home. <laughs> to read the right act. Reed is disgusted. He throws Owen's files on the floor and storms out of the out of the room. Hotch starts to apologize for Reed and he says, you know, it's just that we've heard these phrases before when interviewing school shooters. And Prentice comes in. She tells Hotch that Jordan was the motive for Kyle Borden. It was revenge. So Hotch tells the guidance counselor he needs to talk to the boys who made that video immediately. And the counselor is looking down at a tablet he has, and he starts to frown, and they ask him, well, what's up? And he lets them know that all three boys were not at school today, and then we go to a break. Again, he knows everything about Owen's life, everything in the world, because it's that small a school. And yet, (laughs) these three troublemakers who are on his radar, he doesn't notice that they're all how many kids there, there couldn't be more than 150 kids in this school tops and yet 
He doesn't notice that. There, yeah. But but he can he can he can track it down and choose because he looked at that list for two seconds. That's how I know how few kids there are. It wasn't like dun, 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 dun. oh, they're all absent. Right. He was. He wasn't scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, he has the list of absentees about him, and there's only three. <laughs> Before right. he went on to the next page of oh, and what class are they in? Like, I was surprised he didn't say oh, well, they're all in Mrs. Johnson's home room. How do you know that? Because we only have Mrs. Johnson's homeroom. <laughs> right, right. <That's laughs> All grades. Uh, it's like the Little House on the Prairie School. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. We got a shipment of McGuffey's Reader in today. We're very excited. <laughs> oh, boy. So, <laughs> yeah, you we thought the other reference was, 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 was old. <laughs> The Colombo reference. I'm, getting, I'm throwing McGuffey's Reader, the, the prime textbook of the 1870s. <laughs> so we come back from break and uh, Garcia, we see her on the computer screen. She's in her office. She has a big ass mug of coffee. She's talking a mile a minute. I think they just wanted to give her something quirky because they knew we weren't giving Garcia any time this episode. She, yeah, so she got nothing to do. And w- <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's just have her talking real fast and drinking coffee. She's letting them know there wasn't any more information on Owen's computer. He deleted it all, uh, but they can't access the email yet because uh, he's a little bit tech savvy. But guess what? Garcia is tech savvier. And she's she's just talking real fast. And Prentice tells her uh, DC time. And Garcia says it's eleven seventeen a.m. And Prentice says, "No, I didn't mean that. I meant decaffeinated." And uh, this is a huge yeah. stretch. <laughs> yeah. Nobody says, "Hey, I'd like some coffee." DC. <laughs> The abbreviation uh, is decaf. Yes. That's the exact same <laughs> syllables as DC. Just say decaf. <laughs> the joke is decaf, Garcia. Decaf. Uh, yeah, that's it. We don't need to be. We don't have to think it through. <laughs> uh, so Garcia signs off, and Rossi and Prentice talk about how these two alienated kids were perfect for each other. But Prentice says, yes, as lovers, but not as partners in crime. Nothing in Jordan's profile suggests she's capable of violence or murder. Garcia beeps back in. She lets them know that another video just got posted to the school's website. Again, Owen is a master hacker, apparently. Apparently. Well, yeah, actually, they have they have a picture on the on the home screen with the with the password right there front and center in the because that's what they do in this town. You put your password right on right on the home screen, right? So yeah, <laughs> password uh, is viewed high. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Yeah. So we next see the video that Garcia is talking about, and there's the three boys there outside in front of some bridge by a lake or a river or something. And uh, they're in their underwear and they have their hands over their head in the somebody's got a gun on me position. (laughs) And uh, the Johnny Cash music is playing in the background. You can hear them pleading with Owen. They're saying his name. So in case there was any doubt. Well, I don't know. Does that prove it? Because, uh, you know, we don't see him. We just hear his voice. So I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Which, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know how parents are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, his parents are dead, but so there's yeah, no, well, his parents point. are dead. They're not going to sue. But I, uh, yeah, I do. I, I like the pleading. Was just like, oh man, it was it was a joke. It was three years ago. Nobody remembers. And I'm thinking now, hang on a second, hang the f on. <laughs> if it was three years ago, that means he would be a senior now. Owen. And they would also, since they're still in school, would be seniors, which means they would have been freshmen at the time. They would not have been the ones who hazed him because they would be new to the team and undergoing the hazing, too. That is correct. Unless, AJ, they were all three legacies. And that for the legacies, you get to do the hazing ritual I, on your friend. If I have to start thinking of stuff like that, though, it's too much. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, look, again, I'm a grizzled veteran, watched several times. Which is like, it, it, just, it, it just struck me like, wait, no, no, no. Just either have them not be in the school and have graduated last year even and be sophomore. I don't care. But like. You know, at least they had the good sense to say, you know, oh, well, he shot the kid who, who was older than him and left the school and is working at, at, you know, a packy. OK, well, that makes sense. He's not in school anymore because he would have been the one, one. You know, he could have been someone who did something like well, the seniors would have done it. They'd be out of the school, too. Uh, makes no sense. Agreed. So the boys plead with Owen to no avail. He remembers what they did. They scream. We hear the automatic gunfire. Garcia says she that they got the video from Jordan's PDA, but Owen has uh, hacked it in a way, basically, so that even though it's on and he can use it, they can't track it. And Hotch says, uh, let's go get the sheriff and see if he recognizes the background of this video. Yeah, well, actually, what, what, what Garcia says that that it was interesting and I don't I just I think it was a function of the technology at the time, which is not necessarily true anymore. But he was like. Oh, because he hid the location, the company that makes this type of phone shuts off the phone thinking that, you know, it, it someone has stolen it or something so that you can't use it until you call in and verify and or turn the tracking back on. And, and Hotch says, basically, use a back door because you're a Garcia clickety clack. It just tell, tell them not to turn it off. <laughs> Their policy right. is turn it off. Just tell them not to turn it off so we can trace it. So. It will still be valid that they can still call it and use it because Garcia is going to call them and say, don't do what you normally do and turn it off. So uh, Owen was smart. Owen, you know, had thought of it, had thought of everything except for Garcia being able to call the company and having the authority to say, don't do what you normally do. So then we cut to the latest crime scene. The sheriff has let them know where it is. And uh, Rossi Hotch and Reed arrive there. And Reed is reciting the Johnny Cash lyrics that were playing on the video, which lead him to the phrase taking names. And he says, Owen is is acting out all of his revenge fantasies. And Rossi says, but he's not collecting names. He's collecting injustices. Mm. Hutch looks down at the three bodies and says he's ready to give the profile. Yes, and this bridge or this lakeside area will for you. I don't know what it was called before, but it will forever now be known as Dead Boy Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to West Bune? Well, if you ever go, check out. <laughs> Dead Boy Lake. Dead Boy Lake. 
We uh, then cut to the team about to give the profile. And I don't know why they made this a different deputy, but I guess it was because our deputy or our sheriff seems pretty cool. Like, you know, he's he seems workable. Uh, so they had to have someone else be the one sort of arguing about the profile here. So there was somebody that we haven't really seen before arguing them. Uh, they know who they are. They're looking for what we don't. What do we need this profile? for? Well, <laughs> Let's I, just go banging, knocking on doors. I got to tell you, I was thinking the same thing just in general. Like, it's time to live the profile. But you know who it is. Like the profile yes. is usually we're looking for someone between 30 and 40. And they're, you know, but da, 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 da. Like, it's Owen. <laughs> We don't yes. need no profile. This is profile. <laughs> it's Owen. There's <laughs> a, a picture of Owen standing to the side, so you can only see his nose. Here's his profile. Which is why, like, I, I think this is this is like an own goal here. This is this is this is. Hot should have said, "All right, look, everybody. I know you're all aware that we're looking for Owen. Here's what we need to do and why." And then you you, you then yeah. you don't get this. What do we need to hear a profile for? We know it's Owen. <laughs> You right. kill that noise real quick if you just go in and set the expectations. But because when they explain it, it makes sense. But you're, you're already like making yourself look stupid. Right. And the explanation is this kid is probably out there watching the, the news right now. And as far as he knows, they think he's gone out of town. If they start knocking on doors, he's going to start to know that he's not uh, thought to be out of town anymore. And he's going to start to feel trapped. So they are interested in bringing in Owen Savage with a minimum loss of life. We need to look at his profile a little bit more to just sort of determine how we can best do that, basically. And they say uh, this is his profile, like he's a school shooter uh, that's trying to avenge perceived wrongs. And Sheriff Hallam asks, well, if he's a school shooter, why hasn't he shot the school yet? Which I think is a Fair question. pretty valid question. Fair question. <laughs> I'm, I'm always fine with the questions when they're the ones you're going, well. <laughs> yes. They explain it's because of Jordan. Normally a school shooter would be angry, hopeless, and feeling alone with no reason to live. But since he's got Jordan, he feels that he has a reason to live. Reed mentions that he thought his life was just one torment after another, his teachers gave up on him, his classmates bullied him, and then his father blamed him for that, all while giving him access to guns. <laughs> Considering those conditions, they're really quite quite fortunate that it has it wasn't worse at this point. The deputy that was arguing before says, well, it sounds like you're saying that the victims deserve this. Not just like, calm down, no, we're not saying that, nobody deserves this. And Rita's like, yeah, but you could have prevented it. And Hodge is like, okay, okay, Reed, uh, sidebar, we, we need to go talk. <laughs> this, this becomes parent-child very quickly. Get over here. Get, 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 <laughs> get over here. What is going on? What you talking to myself? <laughs> but dad. Uh, yeah. Go to your room. Or rather, go to Owen's room. <laughs> <laughs> so... They do go into a side room and Hotch is telling Reed he needs to chill out. And Reed is insisting he's right. They could have prevented this. And Hotch is like, look, no one ever sees the signs, Reed. You know that. Making this their fault, it's, it's unfair and it's dangerous. You know what? I, I just want you to go back to the house and go through Owen's room again. 
And Reed is like, well, Morgan's already doing that. <laughs> and Hot says, yeah, and you're going to join him. And Reed feels that he is being punished unfairly. And Ray, and Hot is like, no, I'm using you. You know this kid better than anyone. So go find us something that we can use. So Reed stalks off. <laughs> and, uh, I hate you. I hate JJ you. I hate the- you. <laughs> <laughs> you always pick somebody else. Uh, JJ is apologizing to Sheriff Hallam. And telling him that they want to play the, the, the video that Owen sent to the media. Because then uh, Owen is clearly trying to get this message out there of what he did, why he did it. And once they see that they're playing his message, he may it may buy them a little bit of time to find him and try to bring him in peacefully. If they just start knocking on doors, they're risking Jordan's life. And so the sheriff thinks about it and says, well, he won't have a choice of what to do. They're going to have to start knocking on those doors after the funerals tomorrow. So basically now they have a timeline. Not that it's really important to this episode, but that, yeah, that's what it well, was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, we, we need that ticking clock. And, and it's like, it makes sense. We've seen this town. So it's just like, look, I, I could say, sure, take all the time you want, but you've seen this town. I'm not going to be able to hold them back after tomorrow. So... Do what you got to do. I hope you get it done. But after that, <laughs> the posse will be formed. <laughs> exactly. You know where you are, right? <laughs> uh, Remember that, that, that big Welcome to Texas sign? The Lone Star on the flag? <laughs> you in the Republic, son. <laughs> we uh, cut to the farmhouse where jo- Jordan and Owen are... Having a romantic candlelit dinner is the only way I could describe it. They're playing house, yeah. (laughs) They're sitting there, uh, and I think uh, they're very cute together. (laughs) But But, but, but for the mass murder, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but for that. um, They do hear, all of a sudden, a car pulling up, and uh, he tells, uh, Owen tells uh, Jordan to sit down, stay away from the windows. He's going to go out and take care of whatever it is. So he goes uh, outside and an old rancher type dude sees him, recognizes him. He's like, oh, and is that you? He says, "Uh, yeah. And he walks up to him real fast and basically stabs him in the gut right away. (laughs) Old man Strathern. (laughs) Yeah, poor old man Strathern. Owen apologizes. This guy was the owner of the ranch. Uh, Owen says, you know, you weren't supposed to be back until the first week in May. He's really sorry. Bad time to come home early, I guess. <laughs> That's moral of that story. Pretty much. <laughs> and so, yeah, our our uh, old rancher dies. Owen goes back into the house. He can't find Jordan at first. He looks around. He finds her. She's hidden down in a corner or under a table or something. Uh, she's she's scared. Uh, she thought it was her father coming after them. He tells her it was just some uh, Mexican kids. I don't know why he had to say that they were Mexican, but they that they got lost. And he gave them directions. They're gone. Everything is cool now. And basically, he just hugs her and starts to comfort her. Yeah, because everyone in South Texas is racist. That's what they're trying to say. <laughs> there, there, you, there you go. Uh, you know, it, it goes to state of mind. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I joke, and obviously that's not true. But a, a kid in Owen's situation who grew up in a house with that type of a father would, would say probably that. have heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. 
We uh, cut back to Owen's room and Reed is there and he's uh, on the computer sorting through Owen's emails because Garcia did manage to get them restored. Morgan is there and he lets Reed know. This is my favorite scene in the episode, by the way. He uh, lets Reed know that he's not the only one who identifies with Owen. In fact, when Morgan was a freshman in high school, he was 5'3", he was really scrawny. And he was bullied and getting his ass kicked every day. So that summer, he hit the weights. And he was very fortunate to grow six inches. Yeah, basically, he looks good next year. But it wasn't about the vanity. It was about survival. So, <laughs> Well, and, you know, he, he, he's saying this and he's, he's, he's putting a very positive spin on it. But it's like, and I grew six inches and suddenly the <laughs> ladies started noticing me. <laughs> yeah. The rec center head started. No, oh wait, no, that's no. I don't want to. I don't want to forget that story. <laughs> you know, there's a con to every pro, and I know he's spinning it, but like, I don't know that he'd be this delighted with this story. True. Reed has his own story to share, and if they play in who got the worst story, <laughs> uh, Morgan, <laughs> I don't think you're going to win that one. Uh, basically, some uh, girls lured Reed out behind the field house of the school. You know, it was like one of the prettiest girls in the school was going to be there. So Reed went out there and it wasn't just the girls there. It was the whole entire football team. They stripped him naked. They tied him to the goalpost. And even though he was crying and begging for help, nobody helped him. Nobody tried to stop them from doing that to him. They just watched. Finally, uh, they left him there alone. He didn't get home until midnight. And we remember his mom. And uh, she was basically having one of her episodes. So she didn't even notice that he was late. And and, and let's let's put a, a double emphasis on this. This is Reed we're talking about here. He was probably three or four years behind everybody because yep. he had been so advanced. So this is this is teenagers picking on an 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah. This is a 12-year-old. Like, I mean... If it wasn't our country and I've heard of stuff like this happening, I would say nobody would do this. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, I think people would do this. Oh, oh most S- sadly, sadly enough. But yeah, so Reed didn't even tell anybody what happened. He didn't tell his mom. He didn't tell anybody. He thought if he didn't talk about it, that eventually he would just forget about it. But guess what? He remembers it like it was yesterday. And Morgan says, yeah, you don't really need an eidetic memory for that. We forget half of what they teach us in school. But when it comes to the torment and the people who inflicted it, we've all got an elephant's memory. Our first episode title in about six episodes. (laughs) Yeah, we got it there. It was great. Read knows what it's like to just want to forget. And Morgan points out that uh, it's odd because Owen has been making a big deal out of saying goodbye to Jordan in his emails. That leads Reed to thinking, you know what? He never got a chance to say goodbye to his mother. And that means abandonment is his biggest fear. It's why he probably chose Jordan. He figured that she would never leave him. I I just thought that was a really good scene. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I joke about it a little bit, but yeah, it's it's Morgan relating to Reed, it's character development, it's natural, it all comes out of the story, it explains why Reed's acting the way he's been acting, Morgan had noticed it before, he finally had a comfort, like, everything just worked about it, and it progresses the plot because the conversation causes Reed to have an epiphany that made sense coming out of the conversation, so. Exactly. Boom, pop, boom. And well just, written. Yes, just to go into, into into film theory. And with everything in the scene used up, the scene ends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which you always want to have that happen. Yes. We we uh next cut to Reed arriving at the police station, and he's there to tell Hotch and Prentice about his epiphany, uh, this issue of uh, abandonment that he mentioned. He thinks if they can get Jordan away from Owen, they'll they'll save her and at the same time take away Owen's reason to live. He might kill himself, but really this is maybe their only shot to get to get Jordan to safety basically. She doesn't know about the murders, so if they can somehow get that info to her, that may change things and she may turn herself in. But unfortunately, the only person she trusts is Owen. And Prentice says, well, there's one other person who might be able to get a message to Jordan because we were told about somebody with a with <laughs> only one other person had access to text her. Let's talk to that person. <laughs> you know, uh, I just it just struck me that you likened her to Jordan from Big Brother. And now she's isolated alone in a house with no contact from the outside world. So clearly... <laughs> The best way to get information is to rent a biplane and have a big banner. <laughs> Owen is lying to you and fly it over. Because that's what you do to get messages to people in the Big Brother house, right? That is true. That is exactly right. Oh, boy. And that would have been a nice CBS tie-in. You know, they could have got some. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. No, oh, I, I can't wait for later in the episode when Zingbot shows up. Jordan! <laughs> You're so slow. <laughs> Zing. Zing. <laughs> so, so next we cut to Prentice and JJ at Jordan's friend Eileen's house. They do, after a little bit of convincing, uh, get her to text Jordan. They they make her realize that's probably the only way they're going to save her. So Eileen texts her that the FBI is with her and they want to talk to her. And she should listen to what they have to say. Uh, We see Jordan cut to her waking up at the house and and getting the message. And then we cut back to Eileen's. And now Reed is the one sitting on the computer. They have him send her the news coverage, all the pictures of what's going on. And they tell her that Owen didn't say what he did. And uh, she accuses them of lying. Reed sends the video of Owen shooting the three boys. And they tell her that when the police come for them, as they eventually will, Owen's just going to kill her and then himself. She replies again that they're lying and that Owen loves her. He would never do this. And she signs off. And it, it says, Gee, Jordan signs off. <laughs> it says it on the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't remember that being a PDA feature, but okay, it's fine. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's basically, it's an instant message. Got a, got a window yeah. For like AOL. So all that was missing was the slam door, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, two minutes later. <laughs> yes. 
she does get up immediately and goes to the door and is about to go out there to talk to Owen. But when she looks out the window, she sees that Owen is out there digging a grave for the farmer. She sees the farmer's body. She sees the automatic rifle. So I guess at this point. Damn it, old maybe. man Stratman getting in his way. <laughs> uh, she's uh runs back and goes to her PDA and she saw so that she logs back in and she's not going to tell them where they're located because she doesn't want them to hurt Owen, but she is going to try to get away. So then she sneaks out of the house while Owen is doing his digging. Uh, we hear a car trying to start up. And it didn't sound like it wanted to start. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> so that gives us some concern. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which Owen, of course, hears. And he goes after her. And uh, obviously, we're not going to see what happens there right away. Instead, we cut to the computer and see that they're still standing there waiting for Jordan to respond. And it looks like she's logged back on. But now the text says, you turned her against me. And Reed cleverly surmises that it's not Jordan. (laughs) I mean, do we need that? (laughs) Not at all. Uh, And then Prentice is like panicking now. She's like, somebody please tell me that we just didn't get Jordan killed. And then we cut for a break. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe you did. (laughs) Maybe you did. And then and then and then the voiceover goes, will the veto competition save Jordan or Owen? Tune in next week to see who gets arrested. (laughs) Oh, God. So then we uh, come back. (laughs) We come back to the police station and JJ is telling Prentice, hey, it was the right thing to do. And Emily is upset because they, she really thought that they could save the girl. So they're talking like she's already dead. Meanwhile, as they're talking, all of a sudden, Jordan walks into the police station. So JJ points that out to Emily. Uh, she tells them she was able to st- start the truck. He tried to stop her. She was able to keep driving. And I would have liked her to say, oh, and I dropped my phone. She didn't have to, because why would you think of saying that? Yeah. But just for my... And it's not necessary. Obviously, Owen found the phone and right. left that we, message. We that. But I yeah. wouldn't have minded that. Eh, you know, whatever. Just, it is what it is. Uh, so they ask her where Owen is. She's, again, worried that they're going to hurt him. And Prentice says, yeah, well, he's going to hurt himself or someone else if we don't get to him soon. So she starts crying and she tells them, you know, yeah, we're at Old Man Stratham's uh, ranch house we cut to the sheriff and the BAU pulling up at the ranch all the uh, sheriff's deputies go in there but Owen isn't there they find the rancher's body they uh, also find a note from Owen saying he's going to return his mom's necklace which is a strange note to leave when Absolutely. You're, but okay he's going to return to mom's necklace And Hotch sends the sheriff to go back to the Savage home in case that's where he's returning for the necklace. And uh, when the sheriff asks him where he's going to go, Hotch says, uh, where is Owen's mom buried? We then 
cut to see Owen driving along as Johnny Cash music is playing in the background. It's not even Johnny we, Cash music. It's 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 the cover of of Hurt. So it's, right. it's just that I hurt myself today. It's just one of the saddest covers of a song that's sad in the first place from Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. So yeah. We uh, cut back to Reed, who is actually taking off his bulletproof vest. And Hotch is like, what's up? And Reed is like, you know what? Oren, Owen is going to force us to kill him. And I'm not going to have any part of it. So Hotch says, OK, just meet me back at the station. And then we cut to see Rossi, Morgan and Hotch uh, walking in a graveyard that's behind a church. They're looking for Owen, but he's not there. We cut back to the police station. And Reed is there. He grabs a picture, the one of Owen's mom with her big hope bracelet, I mean, a necklace. And uh, he goes over to Jordan and he tells her that he wants to save Owen's life, but he needs to ask her a question. This necklace, did he give it to you? And she says, yes, uh, but she happened to leave it at the ranch. So Reed tells Prentice that Owen is coming there to the police station. Prentice tells JJ to call Hotch and let him know. Cut back to the graveyard. Morgan and Rossi are just sort of figuring out for themselves that it's probably Jordan that he was going to bring the necklace to. Well, especially but, because, as they correctly say, you know, he left way before us. He'd have been here by now. <laughs> right. He would have gotten here first because he knew where he was going and we didn't. And There's no necklace here. So, yeah. Two plus two sometimes equals four. Exactly. And you sounded like Mitch Hedberg when you said that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. But uh, anyway, just as they're figuring that out, Hotch is getting the call anyway to let them know that they think uh, Owen is coming to the police station. Cut to. Well, and uh, then Hotch Hotch basically knows because J.J. has called Hotch to say that Reed figured it out. And then Hotch is like, Reed Reed. knew. He knew when he took that vest off. Even Oh, oh, he's getting a spanking. Oh, he's getting a spanking. (laughs) Yeah. That is right. We then cut to see Owen in his truck. He's uh, making himself presentable, cutting his hair, cu- uh, combing his hair. Then he grabs his rifle, gets out of the truck, starts to walk. Prentice and Reed come out of the police station. She, Prentice is like, are you sure he's coming here? And at that moment, Owen turns the corner and he's walking towards them with his big, you know, shooter trench coat on. And Reed gives his gun to Prentice and says, cover me. And but don't shoot as he runs out there. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't, this whole the whole premise here is that is that Reed is going to come at him in this high noon showdown. He's got you can see the gun hanging out. We're in Texas. You got the Owen dressed up like an outlaw coming into town, uh, walking with a black coat and. Reed looking like the sheriff of, 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 of you know the Gary Cooper role, and then he takes his gun and hands it to him, which just kills yeah. the entire imagery. So he runs down the street to confront Owen as Prentice is sort of yelling after him, like, "What the hell?" And uh, he tells Owen that he is there to help him. He tells him, "I know you joined the team for because of your father, and I know your father blamed you for what happened." And I know the only reason you killed Rod Norris and Kyle Borden was to protect Jordan. And I know the harder you tried, the worse it got. And it felt like everybody just stood there watching you suffer. 
and not a single person tried to help you? Owens sort of lowers his rifle and says they didn't. So he's starting to listen to Reed and, and to get through, take yeah. in what he's saying. And meanwhile, Reed is positioning himself so that nobody can get a clean shot at Owen. Meanwhile, the rest of the team has arrived and, you know, they've all basically pulled out their guns now. But the way Reed is standing, they can't get a clean shot at Owen. He even does a look over the shoulder to make sure like that fish is hot off yet again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, Reed says to Owen, he knows that he wants to escape. He knows exactly how Owen feels. But guess what, Owen? You don't have to die. Owen says that he's already dead. And Reed says, no, if you die, you're going to leave Jordan exactly how your mother left you. I know you don't want that. And that's what sort of kicks it in for Owen. He says, okay, how about you bring Jordan out here to me? Reed is like, I can't do that. But if you put the gun down, I swear I will take you to her. I promise no one will hurt you. You can say goodbye to her. You can give her the necklace. Let's just put the gun down and go inside. After a moment, Owen says, all right. Well, he doesn't say all right. He takes his gun down out of his jacket and puts it down, lays it in the street. And he hands the Reed, hands Reed the necklace. Meanwhile, Morgan and Hotch have swooped in now and they disarm him, you know, because I guess he's still got the knife and uh, they check him and basically get him arrested. They take him inside the station with Reed by his side the whole time. They do bring him over to Jordan and Reed gives her the necklace and Owen and Jordan, they don't say a word. They just look at each other. And then Owen is taken away. Yeah. And but before and before he's taken away, he actually gives gives Reed a little nod, like just like a thank you. Yeah. But it's all silent. It's all like, all right, cool. You live up to your end. It's all good. Yeah. Basically, Reed saved his ass. Reed <laughs> saved his ass hard. <laughs> That's the case. We cut to the BAU jet flying home. And Reed gives us our closing quote. We cross our bridges when we come to them and burn them behind us with nothing to show for our progress except the memory of the smell of smoke and a presumption that once our eyes watered. Tom Stoppard. Nice quote. I thought both quotes were pretty yeah, good. good. With the, I like uh, Tom show Stoppard today. too. Tom Stoppard's a very, very uh, underrated playwright. So, And, uh, Yeah, Hotch sits down with Reed, and Hotch is still a little pissed. He's like, you knowingly jeopardize your life and the life of others, and uh, if you do that again, homeboy, you're going to be fired. (laughs) It's basically the (laughs) message. You're going to be fired. Quite frankly, I don't know why I'm not firing you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Reed understands. He says, it's not going to happen again, and Hotch asks what he was thinking. Reed says he was thinking... You know, it would have been the second time that a kid died in front of him. And Hot says, look, now you're keeping score, just like Owen. And Reed says, well, it was his turn to save one. And Hot says, well, it doesn't work like that. And Reed says, well, it should. And I was like, oh, snap. (laughs) Hot says nothing for a moment. And then he says, you know what? I know it's painful when the person you identify with is the bad guy. And Reed asks, well, what does that make him? And Hotch says, good at the job. And then Hotch says, I know it's none of my business, but when we land, I think you should 
catch the rest of that movie. Wink, nudge. And uh, Reed looks down at his one-year medallion from the vanished Michael Ironside (laughs) (laughs) that he he has in his hand. And our episode ends. And I thought that was a nice little note. Uh, Hotch is on his game. He knows what Reed was up to. He knows exactly what it was, what his movie was. Yes, and uh, and I, and that's why he didn't fire him, like because he, he he at least yeah. he knows what's going on there, and he knows he can't say anything about it because if he says anything about it, then he's kind of becomes complicit in letting someone who is unfit for duty be on duty. So he's got to have to like, all right, you know, look, deal deal with, deal with your stuff, man. But like, you've been warned. Uh, but yeah, I mean it. it it was only episode 12 when Reed was in that bathroom <laughs> trying to talk the, the kid down and, and trying to talk uh, the, the father down from shooting. Like, no, nope, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the kid died in front of him. Like, he, it doesn't, it, this, is, this has been a rough season for Reed. So it's understandable. And I like, I like, I like uh, the iron side of it out of, out of the equation. I like that uh, it, it was a nice bookend. So it made that first scene mean something. Exactly. Well, AJ, that was uh, episode 16, Elephant's Memory. Uh, what do you think in terms of our BAU-rometer, bow-rometer? Did uh, the team win the episode this week? You know, I can't remember. No, I kid. I kid. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. This time the, the, the team won. I mean, they pretty much got in there. They identified who the killer was. Uh, they, they got the sheriff to cooperate. The, the way Reed went about it wasn't necessarily the right way, but in this case, I'm going to go with result because by that point, Jordan was already safe. So, yeah, it's a win. Excellent. I agree. The uh, other thing we like to do at the uh, end of each episode here on Felonious Pundits is a little quiz, a little thing I like to call three questions. Uh, they were inspired by the episode we just watched. Take it away, AJ. All right. Well, we're going to just talk about some of our cast members from this week and previous uh, projects that they perhaps had worked on. Uh, first up, Cody Cash, who played our unsub Owen, was smack dab in the middle of a run as a series semi-regular, playing a dead woman's relative on what show? Which also featured Kyle MacLachlan for a few seasons. I actually recognized Cody Cash ah. because I watched a show that probably, you know, <laughs> I don't want to admit to watching regularly and would sort of say, oh, yeah, I watched it because my wife wanted to watch it. And that's not really true. I will, <laughs> I got hooked on it. So I uh, I didn't know this guy's name, but I did recognize him. He was on the show Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives is correct. Well done. Well done indeed. Uh, Played uh, the uh, voiceover. (laughs) The voiceover's uh, son. Uh, Indeed. All right. Question two. Chris Mulkey, who played Sheriff Hallam in this episode. Uh, (laughs) Okay. All right. Now, I'm not going to ask you what show he was on, 
But I'm going to tell you, he was a semi-regular on Twin Peaks, which also featured Kyle MacLachlan. Hence our tie-in between the first two questions here. Uh, what was the character that he played? What was the name of the character that Chris Mulkey played on Twin Peaks, who had a penchant for running afoul of the law? Oh, this is going to hurt my feelings because I should know this. I was a fan of Twin Peaks, and I even watched the whole thing over again somewhat recently. Well, not that recent. Whenever they did the revival on, on Showtime, I had watched it and over then, again. And then the Showtime revival was uh, much more than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the name is not coming to me at all. I can't even picture him on that show. I remember uh, the show. (laughs) I'm going to give you a name that I know it's not just because I want to keep it moving and I know I don't have the answer. I'm going to say he was Ray Palmer, even though, uh, I mean, uh, not Ray Palmer. (laughs) Ray Wise, Raymond Wise. (laughs) His name was Raymond Wise. (laughs) I mean, that's a, yeah. Mm -hmm. Leland. Leland Palmer is the name I was trying to go for. Yes. I know that's not it, AJ. Let's go on. No, no. Okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about Ray Wise later. Uh, But uh, Hank. (laughs) Hank Jennings. Hank is what I was looking for. He was Norma's husband who was in jail. Working with Leo who was with Shelly. Okay. Yes, Hank. Hank. No, Hank. Hank. All right. One for two. See if we can tip you to the winning column with really the only question that matters. Question three. (laughs) What will the plot of our next episode be? Criminal Minds. Season three. Episode 17. Entitled In Heat. In Heat. Is it A? Honolulu harkens for the team, where a recent crime spree combines with local superstition for their most bizarre case to date. Is it B? Miami beckons for the team, where a serial killer's latest victim brings back a familiar face to the BAU's orbit. Is it C? Morgan's got a new lady love. But she seems too good to be true. At least to Garcia, who performs a background check she wishes that she hadn't. Or is it D? Wisconsin welcomes the team. When a bizarre string of unwanted teen pregnancies seems to be linked to a world-famous hypnotist. (laughs) Oh, AJ. Now, you started off with Hawaii and then Miami and then maybe a little something something with a girl of Morgan's. All things very hot. And then you ended it with Wisconsin, <laughs> which seemed to be the outlier to me. And sometimes the outlier is the one that you're looking for. But no, I am not going to pick choice D. The Wisconsin uh, case, I 
like the idea of the Hawaii case, but I don't think we're going to pay for that in our budget yet. Uh, those external shots kind of you don't want to fake L.A., you know, for Hawaii too much. You're actually going to go to Hawaii at some point to do your Hawaii shows. That's what the Brady's did, or at least I never checked, but I assume that's what the Brady's did. Um, so I am going to say we are going to Miami, AJ. Uh, what was that, B? Uh, yeah, it was B. B. With, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Miami beckons where a serial killer's latest victim brings back a familiar face to the BAU's orbit. Yes. Yes, a familiar face to the BAU orbit. So you didn't think that it was possible that there would be a Criminal Minds episode named In Heat, set in Wisconsin, where they could easily have the line, it may be cold out, but our unsubs in heat. (laughs) You didn't think that was possible. I didn't think it was likely. I'm not going to say possible. <laughs> well, it's good because I made that one up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, you are correct. Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Miami. We're going we're gonna to see uh, a familiar face show up. I'm not going to tell you who, but a familiar face from a previous episode will be returning to the episode as we go to Miami. I was going to ask you about, well, I can't think of her character's name now. I'm going to say Madeline Albright because I can't think of her name. The, the uh, big boss lady. <laughs> I was going to ask you actually earlier about her. You mean Strauss? We haven't seen her. Yes, Strauss. <laughs> Madeline Albright. I, Jesus. <laughs> I knew it was something similar. Strauss, yes. <laughs> in, uh, in no way at all. <laughs> uh, well... That's my guess. We don't have to discuss it. Uh, no, we're not, not going to. We're not, not at all. No, nope. guessing mm-hmm. it's going to be uh-huh. stress. Uh-huh. All I will tell you is that it is not John <laughs> from the the self help twelve step group. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Oh boy. Well, that was a fun one. Uh, ran a little long this week, but that's that's always fun when we got one in the, one of these uh, episodes we like to talk about. AJ, it just happens sometimes. But that is the show for the week. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We hope you had a grand old time. Please be sure to subscribe to, review, and rate our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Tell your friends about us. We would love to have more people hanging with the pundits. And if you'd like to write to us, you certainly can at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. And we have a Twitter that is woefully inactive, but maybe I'll <laughs> try to try to pump it up sometime soon. You can follow us at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kentad Svensgard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. We are not the only animal that mourns. Apes do and dogs and elephants, yet we are the only one that tortures Geraldine Brooks.